And uh, the first three chapters of the book of Ephesians are more theological. They're laying the groundwork for the practical chapters, chapters 4 through 6. And so we're still doing that today in chapter 2, and we're going to read uh, verses 4 through 9. When you find yourself there, let's stand together for the reading of God's Word, Ephesians chapter 2, verses 4 through 9. And uh, last time I, I preached, we were looking at verse 4 in particular, but God, who is rich in mercy for his great love, wherein he loved us. So let's read verses 5 through 9 together. Even when we were dead in sins, hath quickened us together with Christ, by grace ye are saved, and hath raised us up together, and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus, that in the ages to come he might show the exceeding riches of his grace in his kindness toward us through Christ Jesus. For by grace are ye saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. Let's pray. Dear God, I thank you for your word. I pray that you would help us as we study it today. I pray for each and every person that we would glean and grow. I pray for just wonderful insights this morning. I pray for a great application in our life, too. Dear God, I thank you for the work of the Holy Spirit. I thank you for convicting us and for comforting us. I do pray for uh, the, the service today that we would uh, come together in unity in our church and uh, just, um, uh, Lord, help us to keep going forward and to not look at all of the distractions, the temptations in the world, as well as the, the places where we could really become fearful. I pray for the, the just every single one of those things, that they would just um, just not be the focus of our life, that God help us to focus on you and your will for eternity, for the gospel. Lord, help us to be single, singularly focused in our lives, in our families, in our churches. I pray for just the great need of our life, whatever that is right now. I pray that, Lord, we would turn that over to you and give that, surrender that area. In Jesus' name, I pray. Amen. Please be seated. So first of all, I want to see God's work for us. First of all, he loved us. He loved us. You see that in verse number four, but God. And so verses one through three, we see about our, uh, the wretched sin condition that we're in. We're lost. We're dead. But verse four, but God. I love that. I love that verse. But God, who is rich in mercy for his great, underline the next word if you like, love, Love wherewith he loved us. His love, his great love. I love the adjective there. His great love. Now, by nature, God is love. I want to read for you John chapter 4. If you want to turn there, you can. But I'm going to read it. First uh, John, I'm sorry, 4 and verses 7 through 11. The Bible says, Beloved, beloved, Speaking to a brothers and sisters in the faith, John is. He says, Beloved, let us, and he says, here's, here's what we need to be doing. Let us love one another, for love is of God. And everyone that loveth is born of God and knoweth God. He that loveth not knoweth not God, for God is love. In this was manifested the love of God toward us. Because that God sent His only begotten Son into the world that we might live through Him. And I think that word might there is very important because, yes, Jesus died for the whole world. Jesus died to save the whole world. 
But not every person in the world chooses to receive salvation. So he made it possible to receive salvation. He says that we might, we might be saved. We might live through him. Here in his love, not that we love God, but that he loved us. And he sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. God is satisfied by Christ's sacrifice. See, there's nothing you and I could ever bring to God that would satisfy the wrath of God but the blood of Jesus Christ. Beloved, if God so loved us, we ought also to love one another. Here's an application. God loves us, yes. But what are we doing to express God's love to others? So number one, God loves us. By nature, God is love. Love is one of God's intrinsic attributes. It means that he cannot be separated from that. That is who he is. That's part of him. That's his character. Uh, He would not be who he is without that attribute. God has several of these attributes. One of them is love, but also we see truth, life, holiness, and others. The attributes also by which he relates to his creation, especially man, not only does he have intrinsic attributes like love, truth, uh, holiness, and, uh, but he also has relational attributes, ways that he relates those uh, intrinsic character qualities to us, to mankind. For example, by nature God is truth. But he relates to man, when he relates to man, God's truth becomes faithfulness. By nature God is holy. When he relates that to mankind, that holiness becomes justice. You might say, well, if God is so good and God is so loving, why doesn't he just take away all the evil and the suffering in the world? Because God is holy and God is just and he has to punish evil He has to punish sin, okay? We talked a little bit about this in our Sunday school class this morning. But if God were to destroy all the evil in the world, my friend, that would mean that he would have to destroy every single person in this world because we are all, by nature, a child of hell. Before we're saved, we we are a child of the devil. And we are evil. We're wretched. And God's nature is holiness. And he relates that holiness to man through justice. Uh, Also, love. As we're talking about today, love is one of God's intrinsic qualities, His attributes. And when that love is related to sinners, it becomes grace. It becomes mercy. God, Ephesians 2, 4, is rich in, next word, read it out loud. Let's say it together with a great hearty resound, mercy. But God who is rich in mercy for His great, and you can say the next word with me too, love. Wherewith he loved us. God is rich in mercy. See, he makes these riches available to us that we might be saved. So we're not saved by God's love. Rather, we are saved by God's mercy and grace. God so loved the world that he gave. Now, grace is a gift. We see the gift of love exhibited through the gift of Jesus Christ. So God showed us his love, Romans 5, 8. But God demonstrated, he proved, he commendeth his love toward us, and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. See, love seen in action. God says, I love you, but he proved that he loved us by sending his son Jesus to die for us. See, I can say I love my wife all all day long, but if I never exhibit my love to my wife, uh, then do I really love her? Well, I I might feel love for her, I might want to love her, but I think love should be exhibited, and God's love is always expressed. So, uh, in His mercy, God does not give us what we deserve. What do you deserve? You deserve hell. 
I deserve hell. And I, 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 I don't want to go to hell, but if I ever did go to hell, I wouldn't want to be there. Some people joke about hell and say, oh, it's going to be a party, it's going to be fun, all my friends are there. My friend, there's no fellowship in hell. <laughs> there's no friendship in hell. There's anger and anguish and suffering. And hell is what I deserve, but God showed us mercy in his grace. He gives us, not he doesn't, in mercy, he doesn't give us what we do deserve. In grace, he gives us what we don't deserve. So not only was I, I was saved, I was snatched out of hell, but I was also given uh, wonderful riches in Christ. I was given a home in heaven. I was going to be in eternal life with God in his presence forever in heaven. I was given the Holy Spirit. You were given the Holy Spirit. The day you got saved, you received uh, so many wonderful riches in Christ. Not only does he love us, but he also, we see, see here in verse 5, that he quickened us. That means he made us alive when we were dead in our sins. Even when we were, verse 5, dead in sins. You might be saying, well, when I got saved, I was alive. You were alive physically, but spiritually, up until that point, you were dead. And then when Jesus came in and you were saved, gloriously saved from your sin, you were made alive, you were given life. In the Bible, we often uh, can read about the miracles of Jesus Christ. And one of the miracles that he did was he would raise people from the dead. He did that three different times that we read of in the, in the Gospels. And three different times Jesus raised a person physically from the dead. And, and, and it was by his word each time he spoke and he gave life. And we see the correlation between the word of Jesus Christ, the words he spoke to bring physical life, and then the spiritual uh, word of God, the written word of God, speaks life to us. The living word of God, Jesus Christ, and the written word of God bring life through the spoken word. And it's the words that bring life. Hebrews 4.12, the word of God is quick, it's alive, it's powerful. Uh, The word of God changes lives. My friend, it's the word of God that we find the truth, the way out of the darkness, the way out of this mess. So many people are looking for the answer in the world today, but it's the word of God that brings us the answer. And praise God for the greatest word of God teacher, the Holy Spirit, that brings conviction and brings that truth alive to us and shows us the way out and brings light into our life. But it's the word of God that brings life to us. See see these... uh, Three physical resurrections in the New Testament that we read about. They come to the, uh, they are pictures of that spiritual resurrection. Life comes to the sinner, to the lost, dead individual. Spiritually lost and spiritually dead individual. Life comes to them when they hear the word of God and conviction uh, sets in. And the choice is made to receive forgiveness of sins. So not only does he, uh, the, the Lord... Uh, love us God loves us but he quickens us he quickens us he also exalts us verse 6 the Bible says he hath raised us up together he has made us to sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus see we're not saved from our sin we're not loved and made alive to just dwell in a world that's going to fall apart and is falling apart And someday going to be consumed and destroyed. Someday we're going to enjoy uh, the eternal fellowship with God in heaven. But positionally, we are right there in the throne room today. We are uh, joint heirs with Jesus Christ. We are seated with him in heaven. 
in that positional way. Our physical position may be on earth, but our spiritual position is in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. See, even when we were dead in sins, he quickened us together with Christ and hath raised us up together and made us to sit together in heavenly places uh, in Christ Jesus. You see, when Jesus raised Lazarus from the dead, we read later on that he fellowshiped with him. He had a meal with him. And that's what God wants from us, uh, to enjoy that fellowship. He wants to be glorified. He is glorified through, uh, through our life as we live for him and we honor and love him and we, uh, we serve him. But he wants so much and he desires so much, not just service and sacrifice, but God wants fellowship from us and with us. And he enjoys that. So not only do we see that God loves us and he quickens us and he, he exalts us or raises us up into a position that we don't deserve. We didn't get there uh, on our own. Uh, there was no way we could have ever been in this position. But God loved us and he reached down and he brought us up into this place of fellowship with him. And, uh, but then he, verse 7, he keeps us. He keeps us. I didn't get there on my own. And I'm not going to stay there on my own. Verse 7, that in the ages to come, he might show, he can demonstrate, show the exceeding riches of his glory in his kindness toward us through Christ Jesus. For by grace are you saved through faith, that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. Now, I had somebody tell me, while back, I talked to them and on the phone. They called the church and asked some questions. But they told me, you know, you cannot, uh, you cannot be saved until you receive the gift of faith. And I tried to ask them to explain that. And they said, well, in order to receive the gift of faith, you have to be baptized. I said, hold on, you got the cart before the horse here. You're saved after, or you're baptized after you're saved, not the other way around. And he said, well... That's why we practice infant baptism, because an infant can be baptized and they are given the gift of faith, and then they can later on believe uh, or they can receive salvation. And uh, that is actually a tenant of a very popular religion, uh, very well uh, known. A lot of people around here even follow that. They might not agree with that, but that is what their church teaches. Now, justification is only found through believing on Jesus Christ and by receiving that gift of salvation. And that what, what people will say is, well, you have to have faith first. And they get some of that. They'll, they'll take this verse 8 here that we're reading. They'll take this verse and they will take it out of grammatical context. They will switch things around. And that's why I think it's, it is important to understand what it is actually saying there in the original because even in our English we can get tripped up sometimes. The word that, in verse number 8, you see the word that halfway through the verse. The word that in the Greek is neuter. The uh, word faith is a feminine word. Therefore, that cannot be a reference to faith. Faith is not the antecedent. The word that is referring back to the whole of salvation. Not just faith, not just grace, but salvation. The whole thing. He's saying... That salvation is not of ourselves. It's not us that ever thought of it, that ever could have attained it. It is not of ourselves, but rather salvation is the gift of God. 
not of works, lest any man should boast. Now, I believe faith is a gift from God, just like grace is a gift from God. Salvation is a gift from God. That is given to us because, you see, uh, God gives, gives us to us what we cannot do for ourselves. He does for us what we can't do for ourselves. God is a part of that whole plan. He is the, the author and the finisher. It is his plan, and he is the one that gives it all to us. But, my friend, you don't have to be baptized in order to have faith so that you can be saved. It's by understanding the truth of God's word. Like I said, the word of God gives us life. It's the Holy Spirit who teaches us that. He brings conviction. He shows us our need of salvation. And it's us that, in turn, just reaches out and receives the free gift of salvation. See, that's our free will. You cannot, uh, you cannot negate the free will of man. The free will of man is involved in salvation. Just as the free will of God is involved in salvation. He chose us uh, to be saved. He says, I want you to be saved. I'm going to give you free salvation. I'm going to give you this wonderful gift. But you have to receive it and make it your own. See, grace means salvation completely apart from any merit or any works on my part. God's riches at Christ's expense. It is God's work. It is his cost. It's his expense. See, salvation is free to us, but it costs God everything. It costs God a, his, his wonderful son. Salvation is a gift, not a reward. So in the Old Testament, let's go back here to the Old Testament. And the worshiper of God would come and bring a sacrifice to God, would bring a lamb, would be uh, without spot or blemish, it had to be blameless. It had to be perfect. And this is why God accepted a perfect, blameless sacrifice. But ultimately, a lamb was not perfect. It was a picture of something to come, of someone to come. It was a picture of the perfect lamb of God that John the Baptist uh, proclaimed, Jesus Christ. He was the perfect, blameless sacrifice for us. 1 Peter 1.18 and 19, for as much as you know that you were not redeemed with corruptible things as silver and gold, but with the precious blood of Christ. And let me just interject here. Corruptible things, man-made things, man-made ideas did not redeem us from our sins. Man's work cannot redeem us from our sins. It is only one, there is only one sacrifice that can save us. And Peter says, it's the precious blood of Jesus Christ, the precious blood of Christ as of a lamb without blemish and without spot. See, Jesus offered himself to God as our blameless sacrifice. He stood in my place. I'm so glad for that. All who are in Christ are presented to God then blameless because of Jesus Christ. We are accepted and uh, we are not blameless. You and I. Uh, cannot rightly come to God and say, here I am, accept me on, on my own terms, just as I am. Here I am, God, and uh, I'm, I'm a good person, and uh, I can, I, I can you know, do really good things. I can do nice things for people. I, I uh, have a lot to offer you. My friend, we have nothing to offer to God. I know that that, that takes a, a, a lot to swallow that pill, to understand that I am nothing. I am nothing. The Bible says that even my righteousnesses, okay, the good works that I do, my good deeds, and my good days where I'm like really just a nice person, you know, that's not Monday, and sometimes it's not Tuesday, 
But the days where I'm really nice to people, those righteousness, that, that, that righteousness is to God a filthy rag. And my friend, when I get out of the shower, I don't put on the clothes that I just took off five minutes before. Now for my wife, it's like 50 minutes before, but she takes like hour-long showers. Um, that's why our water bill is so high. Uh, I'm just kidding. But, uh, you know, I, 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 I don't put on the dirty clothes. And I for sure don't want to grab and find a dirty towel. You know, somebody might say, well, I'm just, I'm being efficient. I'm just going to take the towels that were used yesterday or the day before, and I'm just going to fold them back up and put them in the closet. I'd rather them go through the washing process first, because I don't want to use a dirty towel on, 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 after a shower, after I've just cleaned myself up. But even, even the same way, God sees our, our good works. We see them as freshly cleaned and folded up and in the closet, or even better, just coming right out of the dryer. You ever had a towel right out of the dryer? That's one of the blessings of, of being married, is uh, sometimes it's like, oh, here's a fresh, hot towel that you can dry off with. We see our goodnesses, our goodness, our good deeds as those things. God sees them as the refuse. God sees our good works probably even worse than we see the dirty clothes that we just took off. God only accepts one thing for salvation, and that is a blameless sacrifice. And the only blame, the blameless sacrifice, the only sacrifice God accepts is his son, Jesus Christ. Jesus said in John 14, 6, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. There's only one way to God. Ephesians uh, 1.4, we know that God chose us. He chooses us. And he says that we should be blameless and holy before him. And the only way that we can do that is through the blood of Jesus Christ. The, the sacrifice of Christ, the propitiation for our sins. God is satisfied with that sacrifice and only with that sacrifice. I think of the song, My hope is built on nothing less. And the words go like this, When he shall come with trumpet sound, Oh, may I uh, in, then in him be found, dressed in his righteousness alone. It's only in the righteousness of God that I can, that I can stand before him unashamed and, and, and even stand in God's presence. It's the righteousness of Jesus Christ. Dressed in his righteousness alone, faultless to stand before the throne. My hope is built on nothing less. And my friend, your hope can only be in Jesus Christ. Every other foundation is, is flawed. Every other foundation is, is, is not going to last. And so we have a wonderful gift at uh, our uh, being reached out, given to us by God himself. He's saying, here is my son, Jesus Christ. He died on the cross for you. I love you so much that I'm going to give you this free gift to salvation. And all you have to do is receive that. In order, by the way, in order to receive salvation again, we have to humble ourselves. That means we have to reject our good works. We have to say, no, that cannot save me. I'm not good enough. I'm not worthy of salvation, but God loves me so much that he gave me someone who is blameless 
am worthy and will forgive me of my sins. Thank God for that. And since we have not been saved by our good works, we cannot be lost by our bad works. God saves us, but he also keeps us. A lot of people are saying, well, I got saved when I was 15 years old or so on. But I went away from God and, you know, I got involved with some things and, and I lost my salvation along the way. There's really only two answers to that, biblically. Either A, you were never saved, or B, you backslid. You went away from God, but my friend, God never let go of you, and praise God for that. If you're, if you're saved, you're, you're always going to be his child. Because it's not based on our good works, okay, or our bad works. It's based upon what Jesus Christ did for us. That's what God looks at. He's not looking at our righteousness. He's not looking at anything else other than the blood of Jesus Christ. And praise God for that. And you might be saying, well, I, I don't feel saved sometimes. We'll just go back to the word of God and dwell in the truth and find your life there and, and realize it is, it is the word of God that we have our, our, our assurance, our promise is based on the truth that we find here, not on the lies that the devil whispers in our ears. And he loves to whisper things in our ears, doesn't he? He loves to tell us all kinds of, uh, 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 of things that are not true. And you might be saying, well, it, it sounds good. But it only takes a little bit of, 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 of false information to make something that is mostly true into a complete lie. So the devil tells mostly truth sometimes. He says things that are, that are even biblical to a point. They, he even uses scripture. He's not afraid of using the Bible to make a point or to, to deceive us. But my friend, you need to get back to the word of God. Don't listen to the devil. Don't listen to even... Uh, the, the, the lies that are all around us. There's all kinds of things inside of us, even the, the emotions that we feel. They're not always based in truth. Get back to the Word. This is our, this is our salvation right here uh, in our life, is to find comfort and solace in the Word of God and in the Holy Spirit. So God saves us, but He also keeps us. And there's times where I'll fall down and I'll make mistakes and I'm going to sin, but God still holds on to me, he keeps me. I think of a story I heard of a little boy that was holding on to his dad as they were walking down the street, okay? He was holding on to his dad's hand very tightly. And, and actually all he could hold on to was, because the little boy was so little, he could only hold on to the dad's finger, okay? And he was holding on to his finger as much as he could, but he would trip and he would fall, and then he'd let go. And it happened a couple times, and finally the little boy said, you know what, dad, I think you're going to just have to hold on to my hand because I keep letting go of yours, we may let go of God's hand. We may think that we're not saved. My friend, God does not let go of his children. I'm so thankful for that. There's times I don't feel like it. I don't feel like even getting up sometimes. But praise God, we have a, a solace. We have comfort in the word of God, in the truth that's there, and the Holy Spirit who is ever near. And sometimes we have to just quiet ourselves enough to listen to God. God's not always a, a blaring uh, megaphone, okay? Sometimes he's just a still, small voice. He's just a whisper. But he is there still, and you can listen to him and hear him. And just quiet your soul with the word of God. And uh, in a greater, deeper way, God is able to keep us. He's able to hold on to us when we cannot hold on to him. We feel like we cannot hold on to him. But he's always there. And I don't need to rehash the... Um, the cliche or the, the old story of the footprints in the sand, but I do love it, right? 
where there were two sets of footprints as you were walking with God. And then later on, you look back and you see, man, God, God, where were you? There's only one set of footprints. There was times where you were with me, but then there's only one set of footprints and you weren't with me. God says, that wasn't me not with you. That was me holding on to you. That was me carrying you. Yeah, I totally butchered the story, but you get the point. God carries us through the dark times. God carries us through the hard times. He is there when we are not there, when we are not able to, to process what's going on, when we're not able to figure life out, when we're not, not able to make sense of it all, God is still with us. Get back to God. He never left you. You'll find him where you left him, okay? He's not going to have to come looking for you necessarily. You just open your eyes. God's with you. My friend, if you're not saved this morning, you need to just reach out to the Lord and, and receive that free gift of salvation. God wants you to be uh, a part of his family. I know that because you're still breathing, okay? And God says that he's not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. And you are you know, you're experiencing hard times. Yes, suffering. Yes, all of these things. But remember, God allows us to live and breathe because he loves us, he's giving us opportunity to reach out to him. That grace, that love is expressing grace and mercy. He's giving us time. He's saying, please, please get saved. Please uh, reject your path. Reject your uh, good works and, and reject church membership as a way to get to heaven. Reject all that and just receive the only thing that I will accept. And that is the blameless sacrifice of God. Jesus Christ, his blood is what saves us. My friend, you need to come to him before it's too late. Let's have every head bowed and every eye closed. It's not going to be too many opportunities for us in this life. There's not too many opportunities for us to get saved. Praise God for all those that have been saved. You've, you've settled, God settled that once and for all. You receive that free gift of salvation. How many times did you hear the gospel before you got saved? How many times did it take for, for you to finally accept and receive the free gift of salvation? I understand it, it might be a few times. We'll look back, we would look back and say, boy, I wish I had gotten saved the first time I heard. But if you in this room, you're saying, I've heard this so many times, and I'm not sure. I've never, I've never settled that, uh, that in my life. I, I know that I'm not saved. But there's really a lot of doubt. And Pastor Hoover, this morning I want to just get it dealt with. I want to I, I just come to God and receive that free gift and have the peace, the assurance. I want that in my life. You might be saying, I don't even know... I don't even know what it is and how, how it's all going to play out because I've never been saved, and I just want to get that dealt with. I would like to be saved. If that's you this morning, if you would, raise your hand because I'd like to pray for you. Nobody's looking. If you'd like to get saved, and let's get that dealt with today. If that's you this morning, if you would, raise your hand. Okay. Today, if you're saying, boy, I, I'm really struggling, <laughs> really having a hard time, and... Uh, Maybe with uh, doubting my salvation, if that's you, or 
maybe just um, just dealing with the, the heartache in my life and not feeling feeling very loved right now, not feeling very very much um, close to God at all. I'm not going to ask for you to raise your hand. What I'm going to do is I'm just going to say right now, I will pray for you because I know there's somebody like that here today. I'm sure of it. If not everyone, in, in some sense, because I'm sure everyone is hurting on some level. And that's not to say that we're all should feel sorry for ourselves, but what we need is we need God. We need, we need to just get back to the life that we have in God. It's not about being wealthy. It's not about being you know, free of uh, problems in our life and our health or maybe even relation, relationship problems. But, of course, God ultimately deals with all of those things, too, and praise Him for that. But maybe you're saying, I, I, just, I, I, need, I need help in some area. If that's you, why don't you just come in a moment? Let's pray together. You don't have to tell me what you're praying about. Well, let's come, to, let's come to the altar and let's pray together this morning and just let that burden roll off your back today and reach out to the Lord. He will lift you, lift you up. He'll lift your spirit and encourage you today. Let's focus on the reality. God loves you. He gave his son to die on the cross for you. What a wonderful thing. And then also, God... He made us alive. He gave us new life. If any man be in Christ, he's a new creation. Old things are passed away. All things are become new. And he's given you a path to walk on. He's given you hope in the future. And, and, and may you be encouraged with those thoughts. But then he also, he exalts us into that place of we can be in fellowship with him. We can go anytime into the throne room of God. And praise God, we won't lose our salvation. He keeps us. May you be encouraged with those thoughts today. Let's come and pray together. Every head bowed, every eye closed. Let's stand together and pray. Ask God's blessing on this invitation.